Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined today in the studio in McLean, Virginia, by For the Win editor, Nina Mandel. Hey, how's it going? I am doing well. Um, I would like to welcome you onto the podcast. I think, is this their first time on the podcast? No, I was on the podcast once before. Thanks for listening. When Nate hosted? Yeah, when Nate that hosted. Didn't, that didn't count. <laughs> and I should say that I was under the impression that you didn't, you were not eager to come on the podcast. And now you're on the podcast, so what, what gives? Uh, you promised me that you would write me a million things that I asked for. Um, well, we, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I guess we should say, for the sake of the podcast, that technically, maybe not even just technically, you're my boss. I think it's like a very technically thing. All right, cool. I mean, I, I, tend, to, I tend to say, like, well, I work for myself. You know, and like it so happens, Nina supervises me in that work. <laughs> but I think by most people's standards, you would be my boss. I, yeah, I think that's accurate. Can I get fired for saying something for a sports take you don't agree with on a podcast? How bad of a sports take is it? It's a terrible sports take. Like, is it against something I love, like Northwestern basketball? It's me being like, Steph Curry stinks and I'm sick of his family. Um, I don't... <laughs> I'm not, for the record. I'm not just saying that's, like, an example yeah. of a sports take that might I don't, bother you. I don't think I can fire you for that. I can definitely glare at you, though. Okay, well, sweet. All right, good. Um, I just want to know how confidently I can move forward. Um, Luke and I, like, got sort of rent right up against some lines in terms of things we might eat and things we wouldn't eat, and it was really Luke's fault. He pushed me towards it, but... That, if, I guess if that, if there were no fireable offenses in the most recent episode, then we're probably going to be okay here in studio. That's uh, not true. I fired Luke for saying he doesn't like pancakes, because that's just weird. Well, that's, that's fair. That's weird. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, and I'm actually, we should quit the podcast right now and start celebrating. Yeah. Uh, ding dong, Luke is gone. Sorry, um, Luke. Yeah. All right, well, so the Tuesday show, uh, the early week show, we tend to uh, uh, bring on a guest, typically a, a fellow for the win writer, and we run through some of our favorite things that happened in the past week. Now, you've been prepped for this, so uh, I typically go first, so you can get the last word, because we go back and forth. So I'll say my first favorite thing that happened this week uh, is Mr. LeBron James, who is frequently one of my favorite things spoke out against Charles Barkley, who uh, who sort of criticized LeBron for complaining about the quality of his team. LeBron James has been fairly outspoken about how his team needs a few more guys to be a viable contender. They still look like a viable contender. They're still in first place, right? So uh, it's a little bit, uh, I guess that's Barkley's point. But LeBron said, and this is, these are quotes, and we've got them all on, on For the Win. Uh, he said, not going to let him disrespect my legacy that like that. I'm not the one who threw somebody through the window. I never spit on a kid. I never had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. I never said I'm not a role model. I never showed up to All-Star Weekend on Sunday because I was in Vegas all weekend partying. All I've done for my entire career is represent the NBA the right way. 14 years, never got in trouble, respected the game, print that. Then he said, he ended, he said, I'm tired of biting my tongue. There's a new sheriff in town. And I want LeBron James, personally, to be my town's sheriff. 
Yeah, I mean, so Shaq already did this and became, I don't know if he's a sheriff or a deputy he or what. He was a deputy, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, we never know what LeBron's going to do after his basketball career is done, and that's certainly an option. What would you do if you got pulled over and, like, it was like, you're like, ah, it's a cop, I was speeding. <laughs> and then LeBron James gets out of the car in, like, the full highway patrol uniform, including the hat. I don't, like, can you take a selfie with him then? Is that okay, or are you still supposed to be I feel like be you really can, mad? because he seems like such a good dude. That's like, <laughs> And that's what I like about this, is, like, he's right. And, like, I don't... And I brought it up on this show before, so I don't want to harp on the point, but I, it's incredibly impressive to me in today's, you know, media and social media environment that a guy could be as big a star as LeBron James for as long as he has been a star, right, which, as he said, is 14 years now, dating back to when he's 18. And you think about some of the things, I, I don't know about, I can't speak for you. If I were 18 and I were famous, people would be booing me on the streets right now because of how poorly I behaved at age 18. And LeBron James managed to keep his nose clean, so to speak, for all this time, right? And still happens to be a pretty interesting guy who can be outspoken about certain issues and stuff like that. And not really, but I don't know, I think he's done, and, and I'm sure that there are advisors involved and, uh, you know, and, and there's lots of people with input into LeBron James's image. But I think he has done a fantastic job, right? Like sort of staying in the public eye without making himself a villain. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. I also think, you know, with all those things like you said, he is an interesting guy who has a lot of things going for him. Why does he care what Charles Barkley thinks? Like, Charles Barkley just goes on TV and talks, and he's really funny, and we feature him on For the Win a lot because he is really funny, and he's great, and I think LeBron should have better things to do than watch TNT and worry about what Charles Barkley is saying about him. Yeah, I think there's a, I think that's a fair case. I don't, again, like, I'm cool with LeBron James. Like, I kind of want him to just, like, start speaking about it. Like, like, these are the list of people who have bothered LeBron James this week, and he can just, like, say them, and I will be like, you're absolutely spot on with all of them. But, yeah, like, I think that there's a case to be made that like he should rise above it he knows he's a way better player than Charles Barkley ever was right like it's just way better they're not really comparable basketball players Charles Barkley I don't think has the right technically I mean he has the right because it's his job as a TV commentator yeah. right but like he, he, there's no like apples to apples comparison between Charles Barkley and LeBron as basketball players LeBron is better he's maybe the best player who's ever lived right so yeah like he probably knows that too so maybe just don't worry about people criticizing your play or your your campaign to get better teammates. Right, that's what I was going to say. He does list the people that he doesn't like every week. It's on his Twitter account lately. It's, you know, what LeBron does in January. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe I, I'm, I'm sort of looking at LeBron James through But no, I feel glasses. like I'm, like, trying to, like, argue with you about You're LeBron so down James on LeBron James, great. No, yeah. LeBron James is really great. I just want to put that out there. He's okay. really great. Um, yeah, give me a good thing from this week. Um, so, good thing from this week is Victor Cruz, I think, put the definitive end to this whole Miami saga with the Giants uh, wide receivers going and said that it maybe wasn't exactly worth it. And the reason why I like this so much is because I think he was really referring to, like, all the hubbub surrounding it and just was like, you know what, guys, I'm so tired of talking about it. No, it wasn't worth going to Miami. And now we can all move on. And I like that, but I don't feel like he needs to apologize for it. I feel like if I'm Victor Cruz, I'm like, no way, man. I'm, I'm whatever he is, 26 years old, and I want to be out hanging out with Justin Bieber. That's cool. Like, I, I, 
me personally. Ted Berg at, at age 36 <laughs> now. Like, I'm not... I know. I take that back. If Justin Bieber called me up and yeah. was like, hey, bro, you want to hang out? I'd be like, yeah, I do. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go see what Justin Bieber's up to, right? Like, I don't like your music. I don't. You don't seem like a particularly interesting kid to me. But, like, Justin Bieber's probably having some fun. Yeah, I would hang out with Justin Bieber. Right? Like, especially just, I mean, and I think that this is, all right, so Dale Earnhardt Jr. gets really excited when Redskins players follow him on Twitter. And I think it's that whole thing where even if you're famous, like, other famous people are still really cool. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah I think that they also are probably like, yeah, I want to hang out with Justin Bieber. And I think that athletes to musicians is, like, an especially significant one of those connections because, like, the athletes are all into music and musicians are all into sports right so they're like it's both both of them are doing extremely impressive things but it's a such a wildly different field that i think if you're an athlete you're thinking like wow how cool would it be to be that talented that i could make a justin bieber song um i guess and if you're justin bieber you're like oh my god i want to be on the miami heat so bad yeah, no, I think that's accurate. I also think that Justin Bieber is kind of the feel-good story of 2016. You know, he came back, he became you know, an artist again instead of, like, kind of a hot mess. So, like, I'm proud of Justin Bieber, and I'm glad they're all hanging out. I am sort of disappointed by Justin Bieber. Are you? I think that, so, like, I read, or actually I spoke to someone who had written about Justin Bieber when Justin Bieber was, like, first a thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess that you know, on top of everything else, or beneath everything else with Justin Bieber, is that he is, like, a legitimately talented musician. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He can just pick up things and learn them. And, you know, when he came out at 12 or 14 or whatever he was, and he's making stupid pop hits, and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, he's 14. You're supposed to make stupid pop hits. I was kind of hoping... Because, like, the Beatles came out making stupid pop hits, right? And, like, I was like, maybe Justin Bieber is the guy who, like, develops as an artist to the point where he's making, like, real good music. And I'm not yet hearing not. the real good music from Justin Bieber. Well, I think he had to have a comeback. And then, you know, now that he's, like, back on good terms, no, I think it know, needs to be. Done. I think you need to be the Beatles. I just want <laughs> someone else to be the Beatles. Because, like, I, I was just, I was listening to some Beatles stuff on the way down yeah. here. Um, Wait, is what? that, what else were you listening to on the way down Oh, there? I was listening to TLC's Waterfalls, yeah, and I'll own it. Um, yeah, this is, so this is something that uh, on, another one of my bosses <laughs> brought up in our work chat room, which was that apparently my Spotify was public, which I am absolutely humiliated about and had no idea because I don't want anyone knowing what I'm listening to. That's a private time between me and, and my ears, you know, and, and, but I did happen to turn on, it was actually, to be fair, it was for the same reason I was reading, writing about, I was listening to the Beatles, um, I was conceiving of a For the Wind post, I was actually doing work yeah. on my drive down, because I was thinking about, um, session players, great session, session musicians, and like some iconic parts on songs and classic songs that were performed by session, session musicians. Uh, so, like, the... Uh, I think the Beatles song is For No One, which features, like, a French horn solo that, that kind of wails. And, like, there's Penny Lane. There's, like, some dude they brought in from the British Philharmonic to play the piccolo trumpet. But on TLC's Waterfalls, if you listen to it, 
first of all, it's kind of a jam. Like, and I'm not oh, really that embarrassed. Oh, it's a total jam. Okay. No, it's a great um, one. It's a weird song for me because I hated it so much when it was out and popular because it was, like, something that you couldn't escape at all. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I've heard it in retrospect, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is, yeah. this is a jam. The bass part on that song is so dope, and that guy does not get enough credit. It, oh, it makes the song. Um, so check it out next time. Next time you hear TLC's Waterfalls and you're creeping on my Spotify or whatever... Um, which has now been set to private. Darn it. But, <laughs> but yeah, but check out, but there's a reason for that. I'm only listening, I'm exclusively listening to good music. I just don't need people following along with me as I search for the good music. No, that makes sense. And like, honestly, there's some days when I listen to Spice Girls and I don't want people to know that. You just, I just told us. told everybody yeah. on this podcast, but you know, like, I think that's fair to want it to be private. Second good thing, um, from... From me? Is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Uh, second good thing from me, and I haven't followed this story all that closely, but it is something near and dear to my heart. A bobcat escaped the D.C. Zoo. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, so this 25-pound female bobcat named Ollie escaped from the D.C. Zoo yesterday, which uh, is the second animal in like the past month to escape from a local zoo. There's also a red panda that no one seems to be able to find from a Virginia zoo. So we just have all these escaped animals running around, which like maybe isn't that funny, but you know, no, in it's internet land, it's hilarious. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and I see, I guess what concerns me is the notion that there's a really good chance the bobcat and the red panda both die because they're you, they're raised in camp captivity and they're used to being fed daily and they're not going to get fed and they're not going to figure it out but i i kind of would bet on a bobcat in that situation like oh, yeah. cats are smart cats can figure out how to eat that's a big cat that's going to go like mess up local raccoons or whatever <laughs> and probably eat them um i also have long considered i, I first of all i mean i guess like, I like zoos because I like animals and I like yeah. seeing exotic animals, but zoos tend to bum me out because you're like, wow, that is a beautiful gorilla that is confined to, like, a 10-foot by 10-foot cage for its life, yeah. right? Like, that's super depressing. That thing is supposed to be the king of the jungle, and instead it's like, we here it is for your enjoyment. Stare at this thing. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, I will, you know, I think zoos probably do good things for conservation that we should probably be able to talk more about than we're about to right well, now. Well, yeah. no, that's true. Like, zoos tend to have, like, research branches yeah. where they're, like, and I, especially with, like, endangered species, like, they're they're breeding them, and, like, the, you know, we've seen with the pandas, like, they yeah. try to get them to breed, and it's a challenge with pandas for whatever <laughs> reason, but, um, no, I get that. Like, I don't think that everybody who's working at a zoo is doing a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that I feel like the current and, like, the popular zoo setup to me, it's just kind of a depressing thing, and I can't help but think that a lot of those people working at the zoos probably feel that way, too. Like, especially when it's a tight space for a big animal, I would rather, like, I'd rather have it be, like, a, a jungle exhibit that you could walk around, and, like, maybe you get attacked by a gorilla, maybe you don't, you take your chances, like, you sign a waiver when you go in, like, maybe the gorilla attacks you. Like, that would be one zoo I could go for. My other idea that I, I toss around sometimes is just closing all the zoos and letting all the animals free and seeing what happens. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Because, um, like, there's a polar bear There's yeah. a polar bear at the Central Park Zoo. What happens if you just let a polar bear out in Central Park? Does it eat people? I don't, I don't know. 
does it can it survive outside of its little habitat like would it just like go out and like be like grar and then walk back and be like nah. uh, maybe maybe i don't know it's it's winter now right so like yeah. you, you feel like the polar bear would be okay yeah. there's like ponds in the central in central park that it's it can true. jump into and fish and then there would just be a polar bear living in that pond and everyone would have to know that and like take caution around it um, I guess the the concern also would be that people would then be like wild game hunting in yeah. Central Park, which you can't have. But you could just get you could no, you're not you're also not allowed to shoot the animals. We're just gonna let them all go, see what happens. But like no one's allowed to mess with them. Just I just want to I love it when uh, <laughs> I know this is like a horrible thing ecologically, but when like a a new species enters a, a ecosystem with no natural predator and then runs wild, like that's like my favorite phenomenon. Do yeah, you know about that? yeah, I do. I do know about that, and it is really bad. But um, yeah, so like, I want to see like, what, I don't really like, <laughs> what if New York City would suddenly be overrun with polar bears? Like, like it was like, oh no, the polar bears actually are perfectly suited to live here, and like because they love garbage, so they're gonna be fine. And then like you just like sometimes you're walking to work, and there's a polar bear coming the other way, and it's like, ah, oh, I can't take this street, polar bear. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the great thing about New Yorkers, though. New Yorkers would be like, oh, there's a polar bear. Yeah. go on the other street and just, like, walk away from the polar bear. <sighs> polar bear on the subway. Like, it just it wandered down there. It ate a pizza. People took a photo of it. Yeah. And it went People viral. would care if it, like, manspread on the subway. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just, I, yeah. I just want to see, and, like, I would love a, <laughs> this is such a bad idea, but I would love a zoo that, like, also, like, paired animals that don't belong together to see what happened, you know, like, you throw, like, I don't know, like, yeah, like, polar bear, bunch of raccoons, um, some, like, South American giant rodent things, uh, maybe an elephant or two, like, just, like, the whole full gamut of random animals, just, like, throw them all in, like, one exceptionally large enclosure, yeah. and just see what happens, like, does this, do the polar bears immediately all kill the raccoons, yes, do absolutely. the elephants immediately like stomp the polar bears like what happens how does that play out or do like they form their own little ecosystem like that would be cool i think the raccoons and the rodents die and then the polar bear and the elephant just look at each other um that's yeah and then they have like a that, i would watch yeah, that. would you like, not yeah, watch the showdown between the elephant and the polar bear that would be the youtube's biggest hit i would rather watch like the disney buddy comedy that came with this with like the animated polar bear and the animated yeah. elephant that have personalities i feel like people them. have like a very narrow conception of what a zoo can be and i'm just <laughs> want to well i just want to open that up and challenge your your preconceived notions of what a zoo can be <laughs> uh, i want to get your next good thing but before we do we should say that Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the For the Win podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you don't get the more you do get. Excuse me me to make sure you do get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com FTW. That's quickenloans.com FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Nina, give me a good thing that happened this week. 
Um, so this week, National Signing Day is tomorrow, I believe. Uh, and so there's been a lot of really fun things that go with that. One is that Jim Harbaugh, who is always good for a fun thing. You love Jim Harbaugh. I do. Love, I think he's funny. He's pretty lovable. He's pretty lovable. Um, so he got a big recruit to commit, and then he jumped into a pool uh, with his khakis on. Well, fully clothed, but like most importantly with his khakis on. What is Jim Harbaugh's deal? I think... So... This is my thing. I can't decide if he's a mad genius who just plays up this personality because, you know, we all talk about it and think it's pretty fun and, you know, I think it must do really well with recruiting. Or he's actually just like this weird and this is him and he doesn't care anymore because he's a really good football coach and a really good recruiter and, like, this is just who Jim Harbaugh is. So, like, because he, like, one thing I know about, I, you know, most of my knowledge is, like, comes through the lens of baseball. Yeah. And I know he goes to Oakland A's games, and he'll wear, like, a full uniform and bring a glove to sit in the stands. And, like, he, he's a grown man who brings his... He's, like, a professional... He, he's a professional... I mean, he's not a professional football coach, but he is a professional football coach, right? Like, this right, is a man yeah. who's in big-time sports. That's his job. Uh, and he, he brings his glove to a games. That's funny. That is funny. And it's weird, and it's like, I don't know, right, like, I think you're right, like, I, it's hard to tell if it's like, he is completely self-aware, and is like, this is the wacky Jim Harbaugh thing I'm putting out there, or he is so completely not self-aware, that it's just like, Jim Harbaugh brings a glo glove to the game, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you catch foul balls if you don't have a glove, like, maybe other Use your bare do. hands, like, Doesn't yeah. Doesn't hurt? Oh, yeah. That's so, well, there we go. Yeah, it hurts a lot. <laughs> so you <laughs> so, have yeah. your glove. No, it hurts a lot. That's, like, kind of the thing, though, right? Like, you just, I don't know, you just look goofy showing up to a game. If you're, like, a 50-year-old guy and you're showing up to a game with a glove, you look goofy. Yeah, That's but... for kids. I don't, but I also think it shows that he's just really excited to be at the Oakland A's game, and I think there's something kind of very charming about he's that. He's basically the only one, too. Like, not a lot of people psyched <laughs> to be at the Oakland A's games right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is a good one. I think that he seems like a good character, right? Like, at yeah. least, like, a good character. Like, and, like, a guy who, uh, again, it's like, there's no, like, he doesn't seem like it's evil in any way. Like, I feel like a lot of times you see sports pro sports coaches and you can be like, eh, that guy <laughs> seems a little evil. I don't get any evil vibe from Jim Harbaugh. Um... Maybe. I don't know. I do think the one thing I will say about him, if you want to, you know, think this way, is that he got this four-star recruit that we probably wouldn't all care about, but now we all care about a lot because he jumped into a pool, and I think he knows very much that we're all going to be talking about that. Okay. Uh, so, so that's so, your evil yeah. side. That's all your, right. you know, very So there, we, always, we yeah. always need a cynic. We always right. need a cynic in our ranks. I just want to fully enjoy some things sometimes. Uh, Wait, I don't know how, like, my thing that we liked a lot just went into a thing that we weren't sure if we liked. Can we, well, like, reiterate that we liked it? No, it's how we... Yeah, I mean, we, we liked it because he jumped in the pool with all his clothes on. It's funny. Including it's his funny. khakis, yeah. Okay. Including his khakis. Well, you know, that's, those are his clothes. Right. He only wears khakis. <laughs> that's true. Um, we have some evidence of him in jeans, I believe, somewhere, but mostly khakis. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, Maybe not. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to make my favorite thing of the week because first of all, I'm directly involved because <laughs> I wrote the story, and second of all, it's not a particularly happy story. But I'd like to say my my third favorite thing or my first favorite thing, if we're counting backwards, of uh, this week is I spoke to um, Kyle Johnson, who is a minor league outfielder in the Mets system. He is also one of four active players attempting to become involved in a lawsuit against Major League Baseball and its teams to 
improve conditions for minor league baseball players. And it's not something a lot of people know about, and uh, it's frustrating to me because I've written about it a, a few times now, and I kind of want everyone to know this, but uh, Johnson, as a player on his first contract, which is the seven-year contract, every draft pick signs with the teams. Uh, outside Wait, seven-year contract? So the, for the original contract, your rookie minor league player contract takes is less seven years. Um, every once in a while, a guy will, uh, you know, like a, a Bryce Harper type guy, will, uh, who's such a big deal, will demand a major league contract for his first contract. But for the most part, just about everyone is signing the same standard seven-year player contract, uh, player development contract, or whatever it is, uh, the minor league deal. And when you sign that deal, you just sort of commit yourself to the, their pay structure. Now, for some guys, for a first-round draft pick, it might be you get a $3 million signing bonus and then this horrible pay structure. But for a guy like Johnson, it was a $5,000 signing bonus because he was a 25th-round pick. And there are hundreds of these guys in the minors, thousands maybe, who are never getting, you know, even five-figure signing bonuses. And then they get paid... Um, so Johnson is a 27-year-old guy. This is going to be this is going to be parts of his his third year uh, at Triple A or Double A, like high-level minor leagues, and he will make $2,400 a month. Only get paid for the five months of the season, which means he doesn't get paid for spring training, which is mandatory. He doesn't get paid to work out in the off-season, which if you showed up at spring training without having worked out in the off-season, they would just laugh at you and cut you immediately. Um, and he doesn't get paid for... Uh, he doesn't get any, like, sort of... Uh, home meal stipend. He prefers playing road games, he said, because it comes with $25 to, to, to pay for your food. Uh, he doesn't get paid. He gets a small, you get a small stipend for housing during spring training, but it doesn't cover it. Uh, you don't get, like, there's just, uh, and I go through all of it. Um, so I guess what I like about it was, you know, finding someone and, and this guy, Kyle Johnson, being willing to speak up on behalf of uh, all minor leaders. Because a big part of this issue is that all minor leaguers are so desperately chasing that dream of big league baseball that speaking up risks giving up that dream and giving up that opportunity. So I think it takes a really brave person to step forward and say, like, no, you know what? This is wrong, and we should do something about it. Yeah, and I think one of the things I like so much in this story is you do go to the part where, you know, baseball's a dream, right? Like, who wouldn't want to play minor league baseball? And you do a really great job of talking about, you know, like, he understands this is a dream. He understands that lots of people would give up a lot to do this, but it's a little more than that. Right, and that's the thing. And, and he said it as much, too, and I don't know that I included the quote, but he said, like, basically everything really changes once you have a family, right? And so if you are a 20-year-old single dude and you've been drafted out of high school and now you get to spend your life traveling the small cities of the United States playing baseball with your bros uh, and, and you get paid for it and you don't get a lot of money, but you, you make ends meet, you figure it out. I don't think that sounds actually super appealing, like a great way to spend a, a year when you're 20. Right. But when you're 27 and you have two kids and major leaguer after major leaguer is basically um, using your services, right, to get themselves to the major leagues where they're going to make an average of $4.4 million a year right, and you're getting $12,000 a year, that's absurd, right, and that is, and I can say it, like, and, and he didn't say it necessarily explicitly, that's, that's unfair, and it's, it's exploitative, right, because it's 
And people say, well, okay, but you're chasing the dream. You're not, this is an internship. This is something like that. No, it's not like that, right? They, because major league teams need these guys. It's not that every single guy is, uh, is doing it to be in the majors or to not be in the majors, and this is your chance, right? It doesn't work like that. You need a guy to be your AAA outfielder. So when your pitcher gets hurt and you need to have him pitching rehab games, you have someone catching the ball behind him. And you have a capable hitter for, you know, the opposing team's rehabbing pitcher to face. And for when your hot shot shortstop prospect comes up to AAA, there needs to be someone on base for him to drive in. You need guys to play those baseball games. And you can't have only top flight bonus baby prospects filling up every single roster. Yeah, and one thing we were talking about is pitchers and catchers. And, you know, I just assume that when those catchers go, they get paid for spring training, no, too, they but they're don't. not. Yeah, no, they're not crazy. paid. They're just going to go in, like, 85-degree heat in Florida humidity, and they're going to catch, which is so painful. Like, I can tell you, I've caught a lot of games in my life. I've caught... It's a painful thing if you take a... I mean, so, so the, I'm going to go down to Mets camp next week or two weeks, and I'm going to watch as some 24-year-old double-A catcher takes a Noah Syndergaard fastball off the shoulder, right? And, like, that is an incomparable amount of pain. And that guy's doing it for no money. So what do the major league players think about this? Are they just like, whatever, we made it? Like, um, these guys should try harder? Like, I mean, I think there's some of that. And it's like, you know, baseball's like sort of a very stodgy and sort of like a buttoned-up industry where people are like, well, pay your dues, bro. You know, that's you're paying your dues, yeah. you know? And so, like, and, like, that's tradition. So that's how it is. Um, there are plenty of pro players and major league players who don't think it's fair, but they're in a complicated situation because they're represented by a union that doesn't represent those minor league players. And because unions, unions collect dues, right? And minor league players don't get paid nearly enough to, to pay dues that would move the needle with the major league union. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like what would be right would be if you were a major league player to step up and say, like, we need to do something for these kids. We need to say, uh, like I said in the story, right? Like, if you have 250 guys, if you're a major league team, you have 250 guys in your farm system. First of all, some of those guys are guys who sign minor league free agent contracts, so some of those guys would already be getting paid at least a fair, reasonable wage. Talking about fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. That's once you're past those first seven years, you can negotiate your own deal, and you're not going to get rich doing it, but you're going to get paid more than the hourly minimum wage, right? And and those are guys your triple-A slugger-type guys who are there to sort of put fannies in seats while you're, you know, so again, so your pitching prospect can come up and throw in front of a real crowd instead of at, a, at an expended, extended spring training game. Um, but most of these guys are still on their first contract, and even if all of the guys, even if all 250 guys in your team's organization were on their, minor, on their first contract, you could give all of them a $30,000 pay spike, which means like tripling their salaries in many cases, quadrupling their salaries in many cases, and that would only cost the team $7.5 million, which sounds like a lot to me and you, and I would gladly take, and it would be a life-changing amount of money, but $7.5 million on the major league scale is like one crappy outfielder Yeah. for a year. So could, like, so they're, or they're working to file a lawsuit. What if they strike? Could they all go on strike? They could, but if you go on strike, you're going to get cut, right? Who wants to be the one? First of all, they're not union. They're not unionized, so it's hard to organize a strike, mm -hmm. 
right? And also, if you're the first guy out the door, you're the first guy off the roster, right? Like, and and if you're a guy who the team super values a ton, it's it's complicated, right? Because like, if you're the top prospect in baseball and you're like Andrew Benintendi, who's the Red Sox top prospect, one of the top prospects in baseball, he's already played. Seem he's already on a forty-man roster, so that's a that's a bad example because those guys are protected by the MLBPA. So if you're a uh, this guy, Michael Kopech, who the White Sox just got from the Red Sox, right? And I don't think he's on the 40-man roster yet. He's like a double-A pitcher. But he throws 105 miles an hour. Everybody knows he's going to make the major leagues. So that guy, that guy, if he walked out, the White Sox would be like, uh-oh, we need to figure something out, right? But that guy's never going to walk out. And I can't speak for him personally, but if you know you're on the fast, fast track to the majors, why are you ever going to rock the boat if you stand to make millions like three or four years from now? Yeah, I think that's true, but I think one of the things that we've seen this year that I like a lot, which I know some people don't like, is athletes like looking around and being, you know, very political and woke very athletes, active. Woke yeah, athletes, woke athletes, yeah. athletes. And well, so I don't, you know. Well, no, and and so it, so in baseball, really for the first time, uh, at least uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, professional major leaguers stood up for amateurs this year in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, and it was largely, uh, it was almost entirely Latin American players. It was largely the prominent Dominican guys, uh, Robin Scano, Fernando Rodney, a few other, a few other guys, showed up at the collective bargaining agreements to protest. And it wasn't like a protest where like they were picketing or whatever. Uh, they showed up to stop an agreement to an international draft because an international draft is another way Major League Baseball was essentially trying to take money away from amateur players uh, by f subjecting 16-year-old kids the, from the Dominican Republic to an international draft. That would be saying you can only negotiate with one team and so that would limit the signing bonuses they might sign. So those guys all showed up and said like don't do this, this isn't cool. Mm -hmm. And that was really like to me, the first sign I've seen, and I've been tracking this for years now, of solidarity with minor league players. That's really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that that was like one of the first. I believe that was the first thing when I, Hemel and I were discussing the examples of uh, this podcast of how to do like good things that happened that we were happy about. That was the first example I had. That is a very good thing that happened. Um, so there should, I feel like there should be more of those good things from this story that happened. Uh, it would be cool, right? Um, I mean, one cool thing I, from the story is it seems like it's it's done fairly well traffic-wise, despite the doubts of certain editors who were worried about yeah, all that you know, flashy NFL week. Media Day con <laughs> con content. Um, but, you know, but it, it, it seems to have caught on with especially um, wives of minor league players. Yeah. Based at least on, unless there are a bunch of people with fake Twitter profiles pretending to be the wives of minor league baseball make players. Did you a bunch of fake Twitter profiles to prove me wrong? I didn't, but I wouldn't be shocked if that's like some sort of weird <laughs> subculture, right? But like, at least a lot of women who are standing in their profile <laughs> pictures with minor league baseball players embracing them uh, who have something in their profile about being married to that minor league baseball player. Uh, those women seem to be sharing the story very quickly. Uh, obviously, I feel like a, a baseball player is never going to do it because, again, he's not going to want to rock the boat. But like those are invested parties, clearly, and they're going to tell that guy when he gets home from the gym, like, "Hey, you got to see this thing I read about this lawsuit." Um, so I don't know. So at least like 
it's nice to help spread the word a little bit. Yes, I'm very glad that I was wrong about that and that everybody is reading your article. And everybody, I'm very rarely wrong. Um, no, no, no. You've never been wrong before, but and this is a great example of that. <laughs> uh, give me your top thing that happened this week. So my top thing is oh. from the Super Bowl media opening night, Super Bowl opening night, um, when Tom Brady completed the trifecta of stories about his dad. So this started earlier this week with his dad going off um, on a San Francisco TV station about Roger Goodell, which, you know, is like what a dad would do. Like That part I support. I support. That. I want to say mm -hmm. I support Tom Brady's dad wholeheartedly in this. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, like team dad. Like my dad would, to like if I, if there is deflate gate for For the Win, my dad would totally go on a TV station. Um, so then, <laughs> and just start yelling about it. Um, I followed his Twitter. I believe that to be true. <laughs> so then, uh, yesterday on a radio appearance, Tom Brady said that he gave his dad a media blackout, which obviously is like a very Tom Brady thing to say because nobody really wants to answer questions about what your dad said on TV. So, you know, we kind of thought that was over, and I was like, what a boring end to that story. But then, yesterday at Super Bowl opening night, or whatever it's called now, um, this kid reporter asked Tom Brady who his hero was, and he got super emotional, and he said, well, that's a great question. I think my dad is my hero because he's someone I look up to every day. And Ted is rolling his eyes, but I think that anytime someone gets teary-eyed in a national press conference if about Tom, their parents, it's super cute. If I'm Tom Brady's dad, I come out and I, like, disavow this and be like, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't pretend it was me who did this to you. Don't put this on me. Right, don't put this on me, Tom Brady. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I just, it was a nice moment. I don't know why you hate it. It was a nice moment. <laughs> I hate it because Tom Brady was involved. I mean, uh, you know, and, like, because the last time we saw him choke up and get emotional, yeah. it was that he almost had to be an insurance salesman. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was my favorite Tom Brady moment of all time. It was an ESPN special about, like, his draft, and he was a six-round draft pick, and no one wanted him. And he's, like, looking back on it, and he just starts sobbing, sobbing, crying, like, so sad. And he's like, I almost had to be an insurance salesman. <laughs> Which is a fine job. Job. That's a fine job. That's not the worst job to have, right? Also, not, is like, that really like if you're if you're a football player at Michigan, is there not some alumni network that's like, hey man, like come be an eye banker? Because where I went to school, that's exactly what happened. Right. It was like this. It was a binary choice. It yeah. was like either you can be the best quarterback in NFL history, or you can sell insurance. Those are your two options. Yeah, like, sorry about any dreams you may have had beyond those. Like, hey, maybe you were gonna write a novel. Now, not a, not a choice. You can. You can sell insurance or you can play in the NFL. Yeah, and he had a resume. Like, we've all seen his resume. He has a very good resume. If he, if he wanted to intern for the win, I would look Good looking resume. dude. He's a good, like, he can walk in and really wow him on a no, job interview. No, when he was coming out of college, he was really skinny, remember? Like, I don't know if he could wow people the same way Tom Brady can wow people oh, now. No, I feel, like, I feel like Tom Brady at that point wasn't hot by celebrity standards, yeah. right? But he was still really good looking by regular people standards. Like, now he is... Clearly, and, like, it pains me to admit it, but, like, clearly a handsome man. Like, that is a very good-looking guy. Even by, like, you can hold him up against, like, your David Beckhams and your Michael Fassbenders and your, like, famous hot guys mm -hmm. and be like, Tom Brady is a super good-looking dude. I get it. But even, I would say, coming out of college when, like, he didn't look quite so, like, chiseled hot, I think he was still... I think if he walked in... Like, Tom Brady, 22, came into this room, we'd both be like, yeah, it's a good-looking dude. Yeah, maybe. I but, I mean, he didn't have the Uggs then, and I think his ability <laughs> to wear Uggs is really what makes Tom Brady great. 
Oh, God, this is hurting me. Why, dude, are you like a Tom Brady apologist? I don't think I no, know. No, I'm not it. a Tom. I don't know if you've seen my Twitter mentions, but one day I wrote about how I thought Tom Brady should come out stronger against domestic violence in the NFL or the NFL stance on domestic violence, and people still yell at me about that. They, yeah. It's been like two months, and people still yell at me. So, no, I'm not an apologist. Well, people who yell in favor of domestic violence <laughs> on Twitter are like not the best barometer of anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people on Twitter, I think. Other than the people who have shared your story are not the best. Those people, yeah, no, my Twitter, they're they're well, and they're, the people on Twitter also ask us questions for our Friday Q and A show. So I thought that was just we me. appreciate them. Um, you do it sometimes. You're yeah. you're you are a person on Twitter. Um, all right. Well, I will abide. Tom Brady getting emotional with discussing why his father is his hero. I guess it's a nice humanizing moment, but it feels more to me like, I don't know, like, it, it, again, like, everything Tom Brady does to me just feels like bad guy in an Adam Sandler movie. And this feels like bad guy in an Adam Sandler movie's attempt to make him seem human and likable <laughs> when, like, deep down he's like, I hate my dad. And I don't know that he really hates his Wait, dad. Do you I think just he, like, like says that in that think, voice too. Like, yeah, I feel like the bad guy version of of the Tom Brady that that Tom Brady has become in my mind yeah. is just like yeah, he is like super snivelly, and he gets home, and he's like, I'm gonna deflate all the footballs. They'll never find me. Right? Yeah, I, no, I I now Nothing imagine ever goes Tom, wrong Brady's, for Tom Brady. Yeah, no, I now imagine his house with just like a room of deflated footballs. And yeah, he, yeah. Um, and just obviously other teams practice tapes, uh, which is the other main thing the Patriots do. <laughs> Nina, it's been good having you on the show. It's been really fun being on the show. You know what you should do is tell all your friends about it and rate us and review us on iTunes. Check us out on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Check us out on For the Win, which is ftw.usatoday.com. You it's can a good find website. the podcast there. You can find everything Nina writes there. You can find everything I write there. It's very good. Uh, I will endorse that if I won't endorse Nina's final good thing. Uh, but the site she manages is excellent, uh, in that it employs me. Uh, so check that out. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And peace out. <laughs>